0: So today it is T for Training in Learning Jesus as Our Lord, Friend, Saviour and Model for Making Disciples. So uh, we had to, oh yes, if you have questions as well, you can email them. No, you can go onto the website. It's been a long day. You go onto the website, paradox.church forward slash sermons. I think the link's there down a bit Nigel you can click it and it'll show up on the side screens and you can ask questions and I'll endeavor to answer them um, so it's training and learning Jesus it could have just been learning Jesus but then the uh, acronym would have been Beals and it wouldn't have sounded as cool so uh, but I do like the dimension of training in learning because it has kind of an added intentionality about uh, our approach to um, to learning who Jesus is. But essentially, this rhythm of life is about learning who Jesus is. Uh, it's studying him, learning him, getting to know him, and also following him out of that. But there's such an important part that we are ourselves getting to know the person of Jesus, getting to know who God is through the person of Jesus by looking at his life. And the amazing thing is, First of all, that God revealed himself through his son and came to earth. God revealed himself by becoming like us and revealing himself to the world. It's an amazing thing. And then we've got this historical record of that. So we can see what Jesus is like as we study in particular the Gospels, the whole of the Bible ultimately is about Jesus. But we can actually learn and get to know him. Oh, this is what he was like. So it's an amazing privilege that we have. But it's training and learning. So again, it's intentionally, not haphazardly, focusing our efforts to learn Jesus, to learn who, who was he? What was he like? And then out of discovering who he was and what he was like, then we get to apply that to our lives because God's desire is that we would be like Jesus. God's desire is that we would be like Jesus. So God's desire for you is that you would be like Jesus. Say God's desire for me is that I would be like Jesus. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, as well? So you think, well, that's a pretty significant change. But God has fully equipped you in the Holy Spirit, to be transformed into the likeness of his Son. It's why he came as that example. And again, it's learning who Jesus is, not just what he said or what he did. So it's not just looking at and saying, okay, well, I I know what he did. Here's the things that Jesus did, or here are the things that Jesus said. But it's actually discovering who was he, because the point of, of our lives isn't just to say the same things that jesus said or understand the things that jesus did or even do the things that jesus did. it's actually to become like him and out of becoming like him then flowing out and doing what he did and saying what he said and this is what i like to look at is it's being doing and telling so it's becoming like jesus being like jesus it's doing the things of jesus so he set that example and it's telling people about Jesus, proclaiming the good news of his kingdom. It's very exciting. And this is why, even when we come to read the Bible, it's important that we are interpreting the Bible through the person of Jesus. So if we're looking at him and just saying, well, he kind of here's, I think, what he said, and here's some of the things that he did, but who he was like helps us to understand why he did what he did. Understanding what God's like helps us to understand why he said what he said. So it's getting to know the author rather than just looking at the outcome of Jesus' life. Jesus was and is the exact imprint of God's nature. This is in Hebrews chapter one, starting at verse one. It says, long ago and at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world he is the radiance of the glory of god and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power so when we look at jesus we see the father when we look at jesus we understand who the holy spirit is so we have this expression of god in a person Is that amazing? How amazing is that, that we get to discover who God is in that way? So he's not this kind of conceptual reality, but he came as a person and demonstrated this is exactly what God's like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's amazing. So to become like Jesus, we have to know who he is. We must discover who he is. And it's part of the point of what the church exists for on the earth is to display the reality of God. I'm just going to grab my book, which I forgot to bring with me. You can buy a copy of this. It's called Surprise the World. The Five Habits of Highly Missional People. So we've taken some of the uh, concept of the Beats Principle from this this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, In the same way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and that everything is to be be gathered together in him. It's our mission on the earth. It's our reason for existence. Before we knew Jesus, we might have had a whole lot of other reasons for existence. But when we meet Him, see Him, give our lives to Him, all of a sudden the whole point of our lives becomes about beholding Him, becoming like Him, and then displaying and declaring Him to the world. And this is the reality that we become what we behold. What is most before us is the thing that we become like. I think it's a quote from Bill Johnson, but he says, you become what you behold. So there has to be something of when we're learning him, that we're looking at him and we're, we're beholding him. We're saying, what were you like, Jesus? I want to discover you. I want to learn you. I want to know you. Because part of that is just to know you. To know God is amazing. The Bible says that eternal life is knowing God. It's not life forever in heaven with roller coasters and fairy floss and all those wonderful things that may have been, you know, shared with you in Sunday school or other places, but eternal life is knowing him. It's connecting with him. It's it's understanding who he really was. And the more we are transformed into his likeness, the more we will naturally live like him. Does everyone remember those what would Jesus do bracelets? Yeah. So I used to say, you know, Jesus never wore a what would Jesus do bracelet. Um, He never really had to consult, I wonder what Jesus would do. He just lived out of his nature because his nature was the same as the father's and his desire is that our nature would be the same as his. That we would be, again, we're not just looking at an example to follow, but we're looking at the one that God wants to literally change us to become like, transform us to become like Jesus. So when we are transformed to become like Jesus, we can't do the things that we used to do. We don't think the things that we used to think. We don't live in the ways that we used to live because we are a completely different person. And there can be many motivations for us to become like Jesus but I think the most important one, the best motivation for becoming like Jesus is to love, honor, and delight in him. To love, honor, and delight in Jesus is the best motivation for becoming like him. Not because we read the Bible and says, well, you should do this, okay, so I better. But it's that when we behold him, that we would see him and see how wonderful he is. And as we delight in him, because we love him, because we honor him, that we'd want to become like him. We admire Jesus. So we say, that's the kind of person that I want to be like. That's, if I could be like anyone, I'd want to be like Jesus. So the more we learn him and the more we delight in him, the more we'll want to become like him. We desire what we admire. We desire what we admire. If you admire maybe a particular car, you desire that thing. You want to possess it in, in some way. If you admire a person, you want to you have a you know. If you desire like you want to connect, you want to engage, you want to be in some form of relationship. I'm not even talking you know between male and female, but if to someone that you really admire. It's like oh, I'd love to meet them. I'd love to spend time with them. I'd love to learn from them. And maybe for some of us, Jesus isn't that person. Maybe the Jesus that we learnt, maybe as a child or even as an adult, it's like, oh, he's, he's, he's good, he's cool. But we haven't seen him in a way that we're like, I just admire him. And I just want to be like him. The Bible says that Jesus is the desire of the nations. And so I think there's something that if we don't have a desire in our heart to be like him, to spend time with him, there's clearly something missing in our ability to see him as he is. Because if we see him as he is, then we would naturally be drawn to him. As people were in the Bible, people would, draw, would crowd around him. And again, it wasn't all the time when he was doing miracles and stuff but they just wanted to be with him. They wanted to be around him. But there's something of them when we set apart time to pursue just learning what he is like that we'll discover that he is so amazing, so wonderful, so desirable, and it will draw us into pursuing becoming more like him. And the reality is the tension point is, oftentimes, to become like Jesus means in many ways to become less like us. So where we align with him, we remain the same, but where we differ, we need to change. If you see something in Jesus that's not in you, it's, Jesus wants to put it in you. <laughs> if you see something in yourself that's not in Jesus, then it's Jesus wants you to let it go and get rid of it. But that's the life of a disciple is to look at the one that they're following and saying, that's exactly who I want to be like. and I'm going to spend my life pursuing becoming like him. Another important part of the transformation process is that we pursue transformation because Jesus is Lord, not because he is Saviour. And I'll explain this. If, if I pursue Christ's likeness on the, on the basis of Jesus being Savior, then my motivation can be tied to his approval or disapproval in regards to my salvation. So sometimes if, if, our, if our foundation for pursuit is, well, if I do all of these things, if, I, if I'm a good boy, then Jesus will receive me, Jesus will love me, Jesus will approve of me, and Jesus will then be in right relationship with me but that's not why we pursue him. We pursue him because he is Lord and he is friend. So we we build off the foundation of salvation. Jesus being saviour has nothing to do with you. That's what makes a saviour a saviour, is that they do all the saving and you do all the receiving, yeah? He doesn't share the load with you when it comes to your salvation. Don't say, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take half of your salvation and you can take the other half. He's, Jesus has done 100% of the work when it comes to yours and my salvation. So that's done. That's the finished work of Jesus. That's all him doing 100%. We do nothing. We just receive the benefits of that. But that becomes a foundation that we build our lives upon. And the the pursuit then becomes not to please him in a way of like, otherwise he's going to be angry with me. It's not to win his approval in some way. You already have God's approval because of what Jesus has done. He already delights in you because he has called you his child. He's adopted you into his family. But he says, because you are my son my daughter because you are my friend because you are in my family this is the life that i want to give to you if you walk in the ways that i've demonstrated through my son then you will live in abundance you will live this eternal life that i want to express to you and have you live out and express to the world so nothing of following jesus has anything to do with winning god's approval there's nothing you can do to win God's approval. That's why Jesus came and died in your place for your sin. He rose again to give you new life, that you might walk in the ways of Jesus because he's already done the thing that you cannot do. But what you can do is now for the rest of your life, pursue him and become like him. Amen? Amen? All right. So a few scriptures related to these words that we've talked about in training and learning Jesus. So learning him as Lord, uh, Romans 10, 9 says, because if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is the expression of Jesus being Lord. It means he is leader, he is overseer, he is your king, he is the one in authority over you. Jesus is in authority over you. There's a spider here. Yeah. Remember the time when we were up in the chapel and there was a lizard climbed up the wall? Giant big black lizard. Fun times. Just a little spider. It's all good. So Jesus is, that's the role that he plays in your life. When you become a Christian, Jesus becomes your Lord. So there is one in authority over you. So you don't have 100% authority over your life. He has all authority. All authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that might grate you. That might frustrate you. That might annoy you. It might be like, oh, I don't like Jesus being in control. I just want to really encourage you. It's the best place for him to be and the best place for you to be is for God to be God. And if you've ever tried being God, but I guarantee you, you're you not going to do a very good job. So Jesus is our friend. John 15 verse 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Now again, even when we look at uh, Saviour, Lord, Friend, model for disciple making, there are there are many Uh, aspects of who Jesus is more than those four that we've outlined there but it's always important that we hold all of the aspects of who God is at the same time because what we don't want to do is establish a relationship with Jesus he's my friend and it's true Jesus is my friend okay but he's also my lord and he's also my savior and he's also my example he's also the king of kings like he's all of those things at one time but maybe for some, I can I get the, there's a familiarity in relating to God in that way, but it's kind of hard for me to relate. Maybe the father-son thing is difficult for me, uh, but the friend thing I kind of get. Uh, but it's important then that we're pursuing knowing Him and learning Him in all of those ways, okay? Because it's going to challenge us, and it might require that we do a healing journey, even maybe to heal where we've had, if there's parental wounds, that we find it hard to connect with God, Uh, in those different ways yeah so jesus is our friend he is our savior second timothy chapter 1 verses 8 to 10 says therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our lord nor of me his prisoner but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of god who saved us and called us to a holy calling here it is not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So Jesus is our Savior. And I feel like I've done a good overview (laughs) of who he is. So Jesus has saved us He's chosen us to be his friend, his child, his disciple. And it's really important that you understand that Jesus has chosen you. You didn't discover God. God discovered you. He's always known you. He just made himself discoverable to you. It's like even in a game of hide and seek, like when someone finds you and it's like, but I, I knew where you were the whole time. Like you're never the one that's surprised when you're found. You like, look, I knew, I knew where you were the whole time. So Jesus chooses us and Jesus has chosen you. You may have responded by praying a prayer. You may have responded by choosing then to follow him. But God is irresistible. And when he reveals himself to someone, I don't know how there is a choice. How could you not choose him if you really saw him? Now, I understand people can disagree with with a concept. I could explain, well, this is the historical artifacts and what history says and all of this sort of stuff. Here's what makes sense in nature or here's what the Bible says. I can understand that someone could refute those aspects. But when you encounter God, the real, the living God, I don't know how anyone could deny his reality. Jesus has chosen you. And finally, Jesus is our model for making disciples. So we look at the life of Jesus and we say, what he did in making disciples, so we can look at the disciples' life, what did they do in how to follow Jesus? That's important that we learn him. But we also then look at what was the model for how Jesus made disciples of others. And we model our lives after that. He spent a lot of time hanging out with people. He spent a lot of time hanging out with people who who weren't in the kingdom, um, who weren't religious. He spent a lot of time eating meals and just blessing people, being around people. He performed miracles. The, The same spirit Romans, the book of Romans says the same spirit who raised raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and the promise is that he'll give life to your mortal bodies. But it's the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus comes upon us. So the same miracle working power that was at work in Christ is and can be at work in you. As I've said in the past, oftentimes the, the number of people who get healed through you praying for them is related to how many people you pray for. So if you want to never see someone healed, the number one way, never pray for anybody. If you want to see someone healed, start praying and declaring healing over people. And even people that are kind of well known for having, you know, kind of ministries where there's lots of healings and all that and miracles. You you hear their stories and they're like, I prayed for 100 people before I saw the first miracle. I prayed for a thousand people. I spent this many years pursuing that before I saw even one miracle of Jesus. I've seen miracles happen right before my very eyes, but I also know there's a good chance that they wouldn't have happened if I hadn't participated with God in being obedient to what the Holy Spirit was doing and putting myself in that place, in that position of vulnerability. And I've prayed for people and I haven't seen healing. I haven't seen breakthrough. I haven't seen change. My responsibility is not that the healing would happen. My responsibility is to be obedient to what God is saying. That's my part. I've done that. I, I did my responsibility. The rest is up to God. I love it as well. Even if you see someone and you're like, I just want to pray for them. They might not be a Christian. They might be a complete stranger. I always approach those situations with I want to love to love that person would be to pray that they would have physical healing, they'd have breakthrough. So again, I go and I pray. It doesn't have the outcome that I would like, but the intention to love, the act of obedience to love, is fully accomplished in my praying, in my seeking, in my desiring for that person, and in my walking that out. So the life of Jesus, so the life that Jesus lived, was an example for us to follow we are invited to be participators, not spectators. So we all want to see Jesus do amazing things. And He wants to see amazing things done. And the way that God has established the kingdom to work is that He works through you and I. It's all Jesus. It's all His power. It's all His authority. And yet, for some crazy reason that I don't understand, probably not the way that I would do it. I tend to be one of those people like, you know, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> I can just imagine God, if I was God, that's what I would do. I'd say, you know what? These people just, they're just, they're just missing it. They're not praying for people. There's all these opportunities. They're not telling people about, it. I'll just do it myself. But God doesn't do that. He says, no, I choose, my plan A is my church. There is no plan B. So if we wanna see miracles break out, guess who God is waiting to start performing miracles? You and I. And again, guess how many miracles we're gonna see if we don't start praying? Zero. Unless there's spontaneous ones that happen, that happens as well. We've been in worship times and people have got healed, and no one prayed, so it does happen. But how many more would happen if we participated with what the Holy Spirit is doing? I started praying and ministering and declaring that over people. You're all so excited. Just. So again, we're invited to be participants, not spectators. So what did Jesus do as, as a model for disciple making? How did, how did he make disciples? I'm not going to give you the answer today because you're going to go away and study his life and you're going to discover that. And not just discover, oh, that's really interesting what you did there, Jesus. He did it as an example for us to follow. The whole framework, we use language disciple and Jesus was rabbi, all this sort of stuff. It's intentional that Jesus came at that time in a culture where that whole discipling framework existed and he lived as a rabbi. He could have just come as savior. He could have just rocked up one day, said, I am God, and they would have said be crucified, They would have killed him, it would have been done, could have been done in an instant. He didn't have to come and be born as a, as a, as a baby. He could have just rocked up one day, said, I'm God, um, and they probably would have crucified him, and uh, and that could have been done. Still would have accomplished, cross, done all that sort of stuff, but he spent 33 odd years, in particular those last three, demonstrating this is what it looks like to be A Christian. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. You do these sorts of things. You live this sort of life. So that's the invitation that God has for you and I, is to live the life that Jesus lived. So imagine if Jesus was in my body, in my family, in my network, in my job, in my suburb, living in my house, what would my life look like? Because if it looks different, to what you're living now, there's something out of alignment. Say, someone say amen. amen. Okay. okay, all right. All right, so what are some practical ways of training in learning Jesus? Now again, there has to be a practical outworking of this. In the same way, if you want to get fit, you can choose a gym, you can study all of the exercises that you would do. You can get to know your personal trainer. You can read their biography. Do all of those things. You can. I, I know. I would go to the gym at that time and I'd do those exercises and I'd work on those muscles until you actually show up and do the stuff. You will not become any more fit than what you are today. Yeah, and we all know what that feels like. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, you know. That's the, oh man, finally, that's the reason why. <laughs> but we're, we're supposed to actually do something about it. So practical ways of training and learning Jesus. Study the life of Jesus in the Gospels. And I put here, the book of Mark is a really good place to start. The book, the Gospel of Mark is kind of the simplest to understand um, and, uh, and really practical stuff. But just start reading the Gospels. You can read the Gospel of Mark in like an hour and a half you could do that in a day, you could do that easily in a week, you know, 20 minutes a day and just, you could keep doing that and again, not in exclusion to the rest of the Bible, so I'm not saying just do that but if you want to learn Jesus, just look at his life, what was he like? So study his life, study what he did. Another thing is just to spend time with him, Even as we're abiding with the Holy Spirit, but just to spend time just talking to Jesus, growing, thinking about who He is and what He is like, being in thankfulness. You know, worship Him, love on Him, celebrate who He is. Another really important step is to obey what He says and do what He did. The best learning happens in application. Again, this is the Great Commission. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Not teach them my commands, teach them to obey the commands. You want to know that something's true, apply it to your life and you'll discover whether or not it's true. That's sometimes the scariest part. But the reality is for the westernized church that we're in, as this guy, Neil Cole, he says, the church is educated beyond, way beyond its obedience. So we, know, we could know the Bible back to front as the people in Jesus' time did. They knew the Old Testament. Okay? They knew all the Scriptures. But they didn't know how to live it right. We are so that you can access hundreds of thousands, if not millions of sermons online. You can tune and watch other churches. You can do all of that sort of stuff. But if you're not taking those truths and applying them to your lives, you're no better off. You're actually wasting your time and you're becoming more foolish. That's so what Jesus said. If you hear my words and you build your life on them, you're a wise builder. If you hear my words and you don't build your life, if you don't do something different, you're a foolish builder. It's really simple. We have to start applying these things. But just look at as you're studying Jesus and you're going, oh, what did he do there? Well, if he did it, that's what God wants me to do. Is there a command that he has said in this section? Is he commanding his disciples to do something? Well, then he's commanding me to do that. So I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to go try that out. He says, go on, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. When was the last time you cast out a demon? Maybe you've never cast out a demon. It's good homework for this week. If you need help finding some demonized people, we can point you in the right direction. Yeah, should probably let them know first. Um, if you want to say, you just might say, I've never, seen, I've never seen a sick person healed. Go to the local hospital. Go to the ED waiting room. Say, hey, I'm just here, just practicing healing the sick. Would you like me to pray for you? Right, give it a try. See someone walking on crutches at the shops. To say, hey, I'm just practicing healing the sick. Can I I pray for you quickly? Sorry? Worst they can say is no, that's it. Another good uh, practical tip is to talk with others about what you're learning. Share with, with other people. Share with the people that you're journeying with. Share with your life and say, hey, I discovered this awesome thing about Jesus or I'm just really admiring this aspect of God's nature that I've discovered in the Bible this week talk and share another really good practical thing is to watch the chosen series yeah who's seen that that tv series now it's not all like strictly biblically based there's there's artistic kind of license in in a lot of those things so the point is for this not to be your it's not to be your bible study um you could find things you say i'm not sure i would agree with that interpretation that's not the point Okay? The point is to connect with the humanity of Jesus because he was fully God, but he was fully man. To connect with his, his humanity is to create that familiarity to say that's, that's what he was like. I can connect with him. He's not some distant, far off mystical being, but he, he was a man. He, he came in a, in a man's body. Someone that I could see how he would have related to people around him and to build that kind of familiarity and to say, because that's the person that he wants me to be. A few practical tips for when you're studying the Bible, when you're studying Jesus, some questions to ask. What does this reveal about the nature of God? So as you're studying Jesus, you're like, what does this reveal about who God is? What's he like? How does he treat other people? How does he interact with the world? What does he value most? Start to ask those questions rather than just looking, oh, I guess that's what he did. Say, oh, what was he like? What's, what's been revealed in who he is in this passage of Scripture? Another question to ask is, is that what I am like or do I need Holy Spirit's help to change? So if we look at the life of Jesus, man, he was so generous with his disciples. Like, is that what I'm like? And like, no, I'm stingy as. Man, I want well, to, I want to be generous like Jesus. So then you can ask, Holy Spirit, would you change my heart? Would you change my perspective? Would you give me an opportunity this week to be generous and to taste and see how good it is? To ask him, why is it, Lord, that I'm not generous? And you might realize, oh, there's a fear that maybe God won't provide for you. There's a fear that there won't be enough for you. There could be a whole lot of stuff. And then that's where God starts to reveal, wow, there's, there's a belief in my heart that's out of alignment with truth. But again, if we're not being confronted with what we're like versus what Jesus is like, then oftentimes we can just journey through life missing all of those growth and transformation opportunities. Another question to ask, is there an example for me to obey? Is there something that Jesus is commanding, saying, do these things? Well, I need to go and do that. There's a command for me to obey. And then the plan is, how and when am I going to obey what I've discovered this week? That's the accountability part. So again, not knowing, oh, wow, that's a really good command, Jesus, that you have for your disciples. I'm very clear on what you want me to do. question Well, when am I going to do that? What's that actually going to look like? I'm going to make a plan to go and obey Jesus. Otherwise, I'm living in disobedience and I'm pretty sure that's not a good way to live your life. It's simple. Straightforward. Sometimes when you lay it out in a simple form you go "Oh, can't you make it like really complex Brad? So I'm going to spend weeks and months just trying to figure it out as a reason for not actually having to do anything different? But it is. It's really simple to follow Jesus. Anyone can do it. But we have to actually go and do it, yeah? And then we get to invite other people into it. This is what, to to make disciples of others, we're just inviting them to get to know Jesus. Inviting them to follow in the ways of Jesus. That's the invitation that we have. But again, how could we invite people to follow him if we're not following him? What integrity is there in the message that we're proclaiming if we ourselves don't see the value in it that we would choose to live that way ourselves all right we'll post those practical things during the week were there any questions jis jis one question yes can I disciple someone if I haven't got my whole life together yet and still have struggles? <sighs> Who is this person? Stand up now. No, no. Uh, Absolutely you can. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, if, if you can't, I don't know what the level is um, that you would get to that would then qualify you. I think if you, if you became a follower of Jesus on Tuesday... Hopefully by Wednesday, you've learned enough that you could teach someone <laughs> You know, from the day before. Uh, again, it's, it's when we invite people to follow Jesus, we are still discovering and learning who he is. The point of having even this beats framework is like, okay, this is this structure that as I move forward through my life, I'm going to be positioning myself to encounter God throughout my week to reflect on who he is, to apply what he's like and do all of those things. So it's just inviting another person into that journey. But it's a journey of discovery, it's a journey of encounter, it's a journey of growth and transformation. Um, I don't know anyone who's got their life together. I don't know anyone that's perfect. Um, I've said to, to a few people uh, that I think the glory of God is revealed in Christ's perfection. The glory of God is revealed in our redemption. So God displays his glory through the perfection of Jesus. But you're not perfect and you'll never be perfect. But God reveals his glory as He is redeeming you. It's the transformation. It's like, this is what I was like. And this is who God has made me today. That's the redemption. God's like, see what I did there you see what I did when I took that person's life and at one time they were like this and now they've become like this and then the next season they're going to become like this and go from glory to glory you're not going from no glory to absolute glory you're going from one degree of glory to another the Bible says so don't wait please don't wait to make disciples the world doesn't have time for you to wait till you're perfect. Wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, even if the fact that you're sitting here today means you are further along in your discipleship journey than somebody else, and if we wait till we're perfect, people are dying and going to hell because they, they don't, haven't had, no one's talked to them about Jesus. No one's presented the opportunity. Now again, people can reject Christ, but did they, were they even given the opportunity to respond to God? So absolutely, yes, you can. Again, as you start, study the gospels, you'll also then inevitably study the disciples. Man, what a like, what a great bunch of guys. <laughs> like they were They were, they were misfits. They, were, they weren't um, looked upon kindly in the culture that they were in. Normally, a rabbi would choose the best of the best to become their disciples. Jesus chose the worst of the worst. Jesus chose those who had missed out on ever becoming disciples. That was part of the culture, you kind of you, you got to a certain age, and then if you were going to become a disciple of a rabbi, already, maybe when you were 12, you would have known, okay, I'm on that pathway. So these guys, the fact that they were tax collectors and fishermen and doing other things, meant that was never a, the plan for them, okay? Which was why it was so crazy that people would look at the disciples of Jesus and say, these guys, like, these are the people that you chose, Jesus? And yet, this group of people these outcasts of society that Jesus chose carried on this revolution that he began that's continued to today where billions of people were proclaimed Christ as Lord we rely on the power of the holy spirit the miracle working power of god the transformative power of god to change us but again as you study the scriptures you realize oh man these weren't these weren't top notch kind of guys now, again, what we don't want is, is to ignore the brokenness in our lives. and say like, oh, It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to go out and make disciples. No, no. You want to have integrity in that process and in that journey. God desires your healing, and your transformation. But it's not an either or. It's a both and. So as I'm pursuing Jesus, I'm going to invite others into that journey with me. And we're going to, over the next kind of few weeks. We're going to give you just practical ways to disciple people. We're going to give you tips, because I, I know maybe for some of you, you go, to disciple people, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, we're going to give you where to start. We're going to help you in that. For me, um, one of the uh, distinctions that I feel like is a kingdom distinction, but it might be a distinction of, of our church community, is that we're not going to take away the responsibility of disciple making from you. So therefore, if, you, if we all aren't making disciples, if we all aren't proclaiming the goodness of God and the kingdom of God and doing all that sort of stuff, then the kingdom isn't going to spread. If you're waiting for me to make disciples of your friends, it isn't going to happen. If you're waiting on me to bring the kingdom of God into your workplace or your school or your neighborhood, it isn't going to happen. And we're not encouraging you to invite everybody here. I'll drag my neighbors along because they might not come. That's not the point. The point is that you would come here. And as we gather, we would be equipped and trained and empowered and then sent out into all of those places. So if you don't know how to make a disciple, we're going to help you to learn. But that's my heart. And I believe that's the way that Jesus set it up. Is that Again, he took these people that they weren't amazing, wonderful people. I think you're all amazing, wonderful people. So we're already starting like at a, at a better place maybe than what Jesus said. Um, but really, if we're all not out in those different spheres, in those different places, making disciples, bringing the kingdom of God, loving people and loving God in the midst of other people, then we're never going to see the kingdom expand. We're never going to see disciples made. We're never going to see more people getting baptized in the swimming pool here or anywhere else, in your bathtub at home, wherever you want to do it, do it. Um, so that's our that's the heart and I believe that's the heart of God is that everyone would be empowered to do that but again I fully understand if you're like I just that freaks me out the thought of it I don't know how to do that it's all good we'll help you but be honest about that don't just avoid the topic altogether awesome all right great question was there another one Oh yes, so our activation challenge for this week is to set apart time this week to train in learning Jesus as your Lord, friend, saviour and model for making disciples. So even this week, so just set apart some time. You could have a daily time, could be one day, you just set apart a bigger chunk of time. So I'm just going to sit, just going to study the scriptures, I'm just going to learn what was he like. And again, you could look out for those particular Lord, friend, saviour and model for making disciples. You might even look at the scriptures that I have shared today. And so I'm just going to study more and look around that passage and see how Jesus interacted with people. And then out of that, I'm going to apply some of those things to my life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Will you stand? Mm. Thank you, Lord. Well, Jesus, you are so good. And Father, even as you... Um, Oh yes Lord Lord you came to earth to reveal yourself to humanity and Lord you continue to do that Father you you continue to do that through the scriptures Lord you continue to do that through our lives transformed lives you continue to do that just through encounters with you Lord as we as we worship as we pursue as we pray so we thank you that you continue to reveal yourself to the world but Lord I just pray that you would help us even this week to set apart time just to admire you just to fall more in love with you just to celebrate and be thankful for who you are and Lord that that would be our starting point is that we would look upon you and we'd be like you're so amazing Jesus you're so amazing Lord I want to become just like you, Jesus, and I want the world to know you. I want the world to know you. So, Father, we just pray you would lift off any weighty expectation that we have to make disciples or we have to tell people about Jesus. And Lord, that you would change our hearts and create a different motivation that would be, God, I get to know you. I get to make disciples. I get to tell the world about my Jesus. So we thank you for opportunity this week, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you would activate us, change our hearts, stir up within us, Lord. Great desire for you and great desire for what you have called us to do in our lives. We love you. We bless you. And Father, as we go from this place as missionaries to the world, carrying the reality of the kingdom, carrying the message of Jesus, and carrying the person of Jesus in the Holy Spirit, we just pray, Father, the world would be different because we were in it this week. Thank you, Lord. Amen.